Welcome to Right Around the Road, the creative podcast that helps you get those pesky voices out of your head and onto the page. And remember, it's the journey that matters. And welcome to episode 112 of Right Around the Road. This week we're talking about something that's very dear to my heart and I still haven't managed to get right after all these years. We're looking at a healthy, balanced lifestyle. And as writers, as um, entrepreneurs and authors and running our own businesses, we have so much happening in our lives all the time. And it's something that I try to talk about on a regular basis, especially bringing you guys along with me and making sure that we all focus as much as we can on not only not only writing the best books that we can and publishing the best books, but enjoying the journey along the way. All too much nowadays, it's really, really easy to to get sidetracked and to think it's the hustle, which is a very American word I know that we don't use much here in Australia, but it comes through in everything we see, all the courses, all the freebies, everything that everyone's doing, it all seems to be hustle, hustle, hustle. Sometimes it's nice to step back and ask ourselves why we're doing this. I've asked this week's guest on um, the beautiful Joanna Penn because of the book that uh, she wrote with Dr. Evan Lawson called The Healthy Writer. Now this has become a bit of a bible with me as I uh, fight my continuing battle to eat well, exercise, um, give up alcohol which I'm always trying to give up uh, and never quite succeed but also trying to manage my business and find writing time. So just before we pop over to Joanna, uh, I've been working very hard to get Dragon Dictation up and running and using that because I've discovered in my business that unfortunately I've turned out to be my very own funnel block. So what I mean by that is I'm trying to do everything myself and everything stops because I haven't got time to write and run the business and do the workshops with my kids and teach and on and on and on it goes and 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 poor old exercise and diet and um, looking after myself still hits the bottom of the to-do list and having a glass of wine is still at the top of the to-do list because I get very very tired at the end of each day and I think I'll just have a glass of wine. So having Joanna on today's um, very very special anyway because she's always been I guess my mentor and I've always been absolutely terrified and exhilarated about getting her onto the podcast so today's the day. Um, excuse my nerves she's absolutely wonderful we all know that and despite the fact that we all listen to her on a weekly basis and got all the books and we we're all in our courses and all those kinds of things she still manages to surprise or surprise me with her I guess her delightful generosity and her vivacity and and her glow in other news I'm up to week three of book publishing for authors implementation program that the beautiful Paul Brody is is helping me work my way through and this week was really interesting we learned about uh, the blurb on the back of our books. Now, who would have thought it would be there's such a science to writing these things? And I'll be having a practice this week to see if I can get it right. And I'll put my example up for you guys to see. Uh, I'll be writing a blog post about this because I think this is critical that we get it right. Um, starting off with the big promise, uh, then followed up by two what ifs, so we know what uh, our, our readers are going to get from our books. And then following through with an imagined statement. Now I have a look at the book blurbs that I've written in the past and they don't do anything like this. So everyone, I'm going to write the blog because I think if I don't know it, some of you might not know it either. But we all know about the call to action hopefully by now. So uh, that part of it, hopefully we get it right. 
Finally, don't forget to download your Voices in Your Head writing guidelines if you haven't already, which will sign you up to my newsletter. And now we're off to listen to the beautiful Joanna Penn. Today we are off to, uh, I wouldn't say so much sunny, but beautiful England. And we're travelling to Bath to talk with uh, Joanna Penn. Good morning, Joanna. Good evening, Melinda. It's uh, seven o'clock in the evening here, so <laughs> no, it's, it's your morning. Ah, <laughs> uh, Yes, it's four o'clock in the morning, everybody, but it's a beautiful way to start the day. Uh, now, I've got a bio, a bio here to read from Joanna, so just have a listen to this, everyone. Joanna Penn is an award-winning, oh, sorry, an award-nominated New York Times and USA Today best-selling author of Thrillers under J.F. Penn and also writes non-fiction for authors. She's a professional speaker and award-winning entrepreneur. Her site, thecreativepen.com, is regularly voted one of the top sites for writers. Now, I knew I was going to muck that up, and I have, but Joanna, uh, <laughs> congratulations. Well, don't worry. It's like 10 years. It's one of those things like bios don't matter. It's fine. <laughs> now, everyone, I'm, a, I'm a writer. Everyone's a writer. It's all good. <laughs> Yeah. And as we all know, we all think that we know Joanna because we've been all listening to her for years and we listen to the Creative Pen every week on the podcast. It comes out regularly. She's very organised. Uh, but when it came to researching for this one, Joanna, I discovered there's a whole lot that I don't know about you uh, because when we listen to the Creative Pen, we miss that whole fiction writer side of things, don't we? Yeah, I guess so. I think it's good to have, you know, I write under two different names. So Joanna Penn, who you're interviewing, is my non-fiction persona. And then I write thrillers under J.F. Penn. And yeah, I do, I do feel like I'm kind of two different personalities and I do things in a different way. I do marketing in a different way. I, I don't think I write in a different way, but I certainly research in a different way. And for me, that makes a very fulfilled creative life. Um, you know, you do both. You have fiction and um, teaching and separate. And I actually, I think that being human means we like to help other people. So we end up doing nonfiction because especially in this writer's journey, we end up, you know, people ask us, oh, how do I write a book or how do I publish a book or how do I market and and therefore you know it, it kind of works that way but yes I've been doing both I actually wrote my first novel in Queensland uh, where you are so that was a while ago now but <laughs> yeah and we, and we want to talk about that but the reason I've asked Joanna on today uh, um, other than the fact that we just all adore her is because everyone Joanna has written a book called The Healthy Writer and she's written it with Dr Ewan Lawson, uh, who is an amazing man in his own right. Uh, but The Healthy Writer is something that I feel very strongly about, having, having had a little bit of a burnout myself last year, thinking we could do it all, as you said, Joanna, but that's not actually the case, is it? No, or if we think, uh, isn't it, you can do it all, but just not at the same time. <laughs> And I know you're a bit, you're a do-it-all person as, um, as I am. And we take on more, especially, you know, I think now with the writer's life, I don't ever think it was true, but there's not just writing. There's also the publishing activities. There's the marketing. If you do this full time, you're running a business. And then of course, there's the day job. If you have a day job and your family and your kids and your exercise and your health and your spirituality and all the other facets of you. And I think if you do try and do it all uh, you can not just end up physically unwell but also burned out with writing and I keep coming back to this because 
why else would we do this unless we wanted a different kind of life? So again, when I was living in Queensland, I worked at one of the big mining companies <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I was, you know, working big corporates and they paid me very well and a great company, but I was miserable, not what I wanted to do with my life. And so in order to get out of that, I built up this, this writing side, but it's very important for me to keep remembering that I'm not just creating another job like I used to do. I need, I'm creating a life. So you have to think about how do you create this sustainable life that makes you physically and creatively happy and, uh, and also the ability to look after your family as well, if you want to make a living with it. Yeah, and I'll take you back, Joanna, because it's, um, you touch on so many things there. You talk about uh, wanting to make a living, wanting to be successful and creating a sustainable life, but that's not how we often start. We, all, we think that we've got to jump in and we've got to do all these things and we've got to build our marketing, we've got to write our novels, we've got to, we've got to meet what our uh, clients want from us, but sometimes we get left behind in all that, don't we? Well, again, you know, you have to balance what you need with what other people want, I guess. And when I worked at, um, at the mining company, um, I would get up at, you know, that was the day job. So I would get up at five. I mean, luckily, uh, I know you're up even earlier, but luckily in Queensland, because the sun gets up earlier, it's much easier to get up at, at five or four than it is in England where, <laughs> where it's much darker. But I would get up and I would write for an hour or two before I went to the job. And that was how I spent the first pretty much between 2006, 2007 and 2011, when I was able to leave my job. So five years of trying to balance uh, the day job, which was exhausting, with, uh, with creating this new life. And so I totally get it when people are uh, finding balance difficult um, because that job was important to pay the bills, but I also wanted to build this other life. So I would say that the number one tip that I say to anyone is scheduling. And I use Google Calendar and uh, this call, the scheduled in to the, the diary and everything for me is scheduled in. And that, I know that might sound a little overly controlling, but if I don't schedule time off as well as work, I will just keep working because I love my work, but I do get, you know, overwhelmed and, and tired like it, like anybody else. So for, you know, take today, for example, um, you know, I, I got up and I went to the cafe, I'm working on a, a new book, how to write nonfiction. So it's a nonfiction book on nonfiction. And I wrote for two and a half hours, then I took a kind of exercise break, went for a walk, cleared my head, came back, did another writing session, and then got into my marketing because it's the beginning of the month. I also did my accounts for last month. So that's, you know, an example of a day of a full-time writer. But as I said, back when I had a job, it was write, day job, and then maybe an hour of marketing in the evening. And in fact, while I was in Australia, one of the benefits of living in Australia is the time zone shift with America. So I could come home after work and do a podcast at sort of 7, 8 p.m. Australian time with uh, Americans and that would just fit perfectly uh, in their day. So it was actually a, a, a magic bullet living in Australia when I started doing all this stuff. <laughs> yeah, now I, I, 
everybody, I've got to confess that a lot of my podcasts are rather interesting hours, uh, simply as Joanna says, in the middle of our day, nobody else in the world is awake. And everyone, something that I probably don't mention much, that um, probably at least half of my podcast listening guests are in America and England and Canada, I think is the other one. Uh, and it's really interesting that we, are, we, are, we have such global reach nowadays. Uh, but sometimes... I get. I guess that puts a little bit of pressure on us, and I know this is not a negative podcast, everybody. But I really want to. I really want to work with Joanna here today. Uh, that we have. There is this tendency to spread ourselves too thin, and you talked about scheduling. Now, I first heard about this from a gentleman called Darren Rouse, who I think we all know very well. Oh, yes. as well, pro blogger. <laughs> yes, absolutely beautiful, beautiful man. And I remember we met him at a conference, and he stood up and he said. He was, he was like me, everybody. He was all over the place. And he ended up getting his schedule down pat where he actually scheduled in, like you said, his exercise, his time with his wife, his time with his kids, mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. And I remember walking out of there going, oh, not for me, forget it. Um, in January this year, I set myself up a schedule where I had writing time and I drew a big line across at four o'clock in the afternoon and four till eight, I think it is, so that I had family time because my um, youngest daughter in particular feels that I... Um, Come attached to a telephone and that I'm constantly <laughs> working on this mini computer and she started to not resent that a little bit because she understood that's where our money comes from but you need to realize that without your family you don't have anything else and and I think over time you've you've come to a really good balance but that didn't come easily did it well I think I've always had a good balance with my husband and my family like as you said that uh that is the most important thing and one of my goals was from the beginning was freedom uh that was when i when you really think about the number one value that defines your life yours is yours is possibly freedom as well because you love traveling and <laughs> um but mine was very much creative freedom so working on the projects i wanted to work with which fits with independence and being an independent author uh, financial freedom so being a even if i got sick i'd still get money uh, or even if i died i could pay for the people i love um and also freedom of time so the the ability to go away so like last year um a damien hurst art exhibition came on in venice and i was like let's go to venice and we just got on a plane and went to venice which is why i moved from australia because it's very hard to do that <laughs> Australia but um but that was another thing when we moved from Australia to Britain and my husband is a Kiwi so we go over to New Zealand a lot uh, I work in America a lot you know so I'm moving around and I'm running my business from a laptop so freedom was always really important to me and but there's this period of time while you're working towards that freedom that potentially you are working a lot of hours um, but I always had that goal in mind and that the definition of what you're aiming for and also this is something I, I think is really important is it's not always about growing and making more money or getting bigger or selling more books it's as you say it's saying okay do you know what today I can tick off that I've written for half an hour or I've done a podcast which is marketing or I've uh, checked my keywords on Amazon or something and now I've done that like I don't have to move on to the rest of the to-do list which never ends just got to tell you everyone the to-do list never ends but you have to learn to stop and go sit with your family or your daughter or your your husband or or go um, for a walk like you said with with the healthy writer for me it's okay so in the morning I go to the cafe at seven because at 9.30 is my yoga class. And if I'm not there at seven, I feel like I haven't done enough 
you know, I don't deserve to go. But that yoga class has made a huge difference to me um, in terms of my functional movement and things like that. So it really is a, a balance. And I guess what I'm acknowledging for people listening is when you are still working full time in a day job, uh, you have to balance it even more. And you just have to think that the little steps that you take every day make a difference. So a book that I'd really recommend is um, The Compound Effect by a guy called Darren Hardy. So not Darren Rouse, Darren Hardy um, wrote The Compound Effect. And I read that when I lived in Brisbane because I could not see a way that I could make a living that would ever equal my pay from the mining company. Like I just couldn't imagine it but it was Darren a pro blogger I went to the first pro blogger live event in Melbourne um uh, Yaris Starak who was in Brisbane like this community of bloggers and also then the Kindle the first Kindle millionaires that enabled me to see the future so that's what you've got to remember is have a look at the future you want find the people who are doing it already and then model them while looking after yourself <laughs> yeah <laughs> now everybody is it's sitting. easy <laughs> <laughs> and our model is sitting here in front of me real bright-eyed and and really really happy because joanna uh you have been a role model to the rest of us and and i think very open the sharing of the pitfalls and issues that you have along the way and i'm talking about your health issues and as i'm reading the healthy writer uh some of the problems and quite severe problems i think that you've had to overcome uh to to maintain the lifestyle and i think that's one of the things that i spoke to you about before we started this one today is maintaining that lifestyle takes a lot of planning and thought doesn't it because otherwise you can crash and burn Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, the Healthy Writer particularly is about physical health and um, does have a few things about mindset and um, <clears throat> mental health. Um, but in terms of my physical health, I did, you know, end up with uh, back, neck and shoulder pain, which I think is pretty common with any uh, anyone who works at a desk <laughs> in general, uh, desk workers, I mean, um, repetitive strain injury in general, uh, weight gain is incredibly common amongst writers because you go from working whatever job you're working to working even more in a chair. Um, so uh, I got to the point with my back pain that I kind of ended up having uh, spinal scans for potential uh, spinal cancer which I don't have it was basically that's why I go to yoga now yoga for me and it's this is all anecdotal obviously uh, but for me yoga has fixed a lot of my functional pain so that I used to just pop uh, painkillers like like candy to get through the day and now um, you know if I have it I'll tell you when I took my last painkiller was I'm training for this ultra marathon in a month's time. <laughs> so I'm doing some really big days like, and it's been freezing here and I did a 27 kilometers or something and, and it was really cold and I took a painkiller that day. But other you know, it's not like a daily thing that I used to do sitting in the office at the mining company. I would just be painkillers, sugar, caffeine, anything to just keep me going um, through the day. So these are common things with writers. Um, I strain 
you know, just a lot of physical wear and tear. And in terms of the mental stress that writers can can get, I, one of the big ones in the community is comparisonitis. And I, I hope <laughs> everyone will probably know what that is, which is, oh my goodness, they're so much better than me. Why aren't I making as much money as them? Why can't I write a book as good as that? Why can't I ever be as, you know, why can't I be that? basically and that that is a big issue and it's something that I think is completely natural and you've got to use that to spur you on so I mentioned you know we both mentioned Darren Rouse a pro blogger I looked at Darren back in what was it 2010 I think I went to that event and I was like wow he's doing really well with a blog how can I do a blog that will help me earn money like Darren. Or, you know, I look at my friend, uh, Mark Dawson in, in the UK, who's an incredibly uh, amazing thriller writer, but incredibly amazing at Amazon ads, so, and Facebook ads and advertising in general. So I'm like, okay, Mark's doing amazingly well. How can I model his behavior and um, incorporate that in my life? So if people listening, if you want something more like my life, then you need to write more books and schedule your time so that you build uh, this platform. And also I think one of the other things, important things is comparing yourself to where you were last year. Um, because it can be, there's no point comparing yourself to me if you've only just started writing your first book, because that's where I was over 10 years ago. So, but if you've taken 10 years to write that one book, then what are you doing? <laughs> But it's so funny because I did the year of the novel at Queensland Library. I think it was 2010, again, 2010. Um, I think it was 2010, yeah. And I've had emails from people who did the same course with me and who are still writing the same book. So what you have to do is look at what, you know, what do you care about? How do you want to spend your time? Then focus on that. But circling back to the, the healthy writer, Part of the reason for writing that was, hey, everyone, let's just stop a minute. You have to create, but you also have to look after the thing that carries your brain around. <laughs> because we so often just focus on our brains. We're like, I'm just a brain and I make things. Uh, but actually, there's like a body attached to the brain. <laughs> and I've got one more little thing on this because it's so funny. Because You know, I'm obsessed with the sort of brain hacking and how do you make your brain even better? So I, I, I said to you, and we've got to write a chapter on nootropics and smart drugs and that. And what we discovered with all the research is the best brain hacking you can do is at least eight hours sleep, good food that feeds your brain, um, rest and exercise. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, look, everybody, they're all things that our mothers taught us, <laughs> but they do. <laughs> they go out the window. Um, they genuinely go out the window. Now, everyone, I know there's a lot of you out there who, who made the same mistakes that I made and, and, thought the more that we work, the more that we earn, and eventually we'll get to the point where we don't have to earn so much. Now, I've come from a position where I didn't have to work at all. Uh, and I found myself last year working 16 hours a day just to get back to the point where I didn't have to work at all again, which I thought was absolutely insane. Uh, but when you're in the middle of it, you do get carried away with the more, more, more syndrome, don't you? Uh, well, I think that we all have this financial set point. There's some writing about, about this. Uh, so, for example, when I left the mining company, 
I had to get back to that income because I was used to living on that income. And so that is the first, often the first goal that people have is, okay, if I want to replace my income, I need to make that. But then of course you hear all these amazing stories about things people are doing. And then you think, oh, maybe I should do that. And I, I go through periods of this all the time. Oh, why aren't I making seven figures a year or eight figures a year? And I'm like, shut up you're having a great life and for you to make that type of money you're gonna have to do a webinar every month or every week and I like I don't want to do that you know or give up my evenings or you know give up my weekends and I'm not gonna do that so I think you you need to decide on your goals also what was interesting about what you said is I was working 16 hours a day so that I could get to a point where I didn't have to work now, what the whole point with this life, I think, is if you're a writer, this is something you're going to do for the rest of your life. This is not a job that you give up. So you're always going to work, but work in a positive way, work on the things that you, your body of work, that's how I like to put it. So you're creating a body of work over your lifetime. So you'll never stop working. So if you're never going to stop working, what do you want to never stop working on? <laughs> <laughs> because certainly I didn't want, I definitely wanted to give up my job in accounts payable in the mining company. <laughs> I was, I was out of there, but I don't ever want to give up writing. I can't ever see that. And what's so important about avoiding burnout is if you feel that inkling of wanting to give up, then you're probably working too hard. And the amazing thing is that often people who do burn out um, and they stop, like try and take a rest before you, you're really over it. But if you get over it and then you take a break, you will often come back renewed and reinvigorated. So I had a sort of mini exhaustion a few weeks ago. We went to Italy, went walking, walking holiday, away from the computer, just, you know, really renewed. And I came back and really back into the creative work working on a screenplay just very enthusiastic so scheduling the rest as well like sleep is so important but scheduling rest where you're not working so reading or uh, exercising or um you know getting out going to plays and just doing stuff that's not writing or the computer that will really really help yeah. And everybody, I think I, as Joanna's um, talking here, I'm sitting here nodding now, as we know, this is audio and so no one can see us. Uh, but, but it's really important to remember that you have to have your own goals, as Joanna said, and you don't have comparisonitis. Uh, but to get that balance within yourself is really interesting and it's quite a challenge. Uh, you might know, you'd know this place, Joanna, especially being a walker nowadays. We were up at Binnaburrah on the weekend mm. and we went off on this big, huge bushwalk. Uh, and it was absolutely stunning. I had all the kids with me and it was great. And then I thought, oh, I don't want to do this. So I just sat and I got out my notebook and I just sat there for a couple of hours and I did my writing. They went off and did the exercise. And once upon a time, I felt guilty about that. But you don't have to, do you? You just have to do the things that you want to do um, that make yeah. you feel rejuvenated. Yes. And I think that's completely different. Like sitting down with a notebook is completely different to bashing away on the keyboard because you've set yourself this incredible deadline uh, and you, you know, forcing 
yourself to do that and again this is it's difficult because sometimes you do have to force like this morning I was writing this chapter and I was like oh I am it's actually about in this house of write nonfiction it's an area around personal branding and marketing nonfiction I've written a whole book on how to market a book and I, I'm sitting there going how can I write something different when I've written 70,000 word book on this I had Boy, and I was like, oh god! But I forced myself to sit there because, in that case, I needed to push on through because I need to finish this book. And overall, I'm enthusiastic, and you can tell I'm not tired, and it's all good. But sometimes you do have to work on things and push them through. I also think, just on this, the finishing aspect. I've I've been just meeting a ton of people lately who have lots and lots of drafts, and they never finish anything, and. I was like, why have I always finished everything? Like, I don't have any unfinished books. I have works in progress, but every book I officially start, I finish and publish and put out there. And yes, self-doubt and fear of failure and all those mindset issues come in. But I also think there's a form of finishing energy, which you have to, which is the pushing through energy. So when we start a project, we're often very enthusiastic and we're like, oh, wow, this is an amazing idea. And then we write, x thousand words and then things start to get difficult and towards the end there's all kinds of things finicky things you have to do to finish a project and put it into the world and i think that's often when you can start to feel why am i doing this this is not creative or whatever but part of creativity is putting it into the world um otherwise it just you know it's just an idea it's not an expression of your idea that can help other people or educate you know inspire people or entertain people so I'd encourage people to think about that. Like when you're feeling whatever you're feeling, examine why. And is it that you're not enthusiastic about this project? Do you need to knuckle down or do you just need a rest? <laughs> so there you go. You just, I think you just have to become far more self-aware as you go through this journey and always question. Even like so many people don't even question why they want to go a certain publishing route. So why do you want X publisher? Or why do you want to make six figures? Or, you know, what are the real reasons around these, these things? And like the healthy writer, it was, you know, why do I want to write this book, spend the time on this book? It's because I want to live hopefully to my late 90s or I don't know what we're going to be doing by then and I want to be healthy and also I want to be pain-free as much as possible I want to feel good in my body and be able to get out there and do stuff and you know you have to have that reason why yeah and I, I'm, I'm sitting here nodding my head as usual as I'm going along here but it's 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 interesting when you talk about health fitness and you did your work this morning and you're bright-eyed and bushy-tailed now I found that it's very difficult, everyone, when we're sitting in front of our computers and we're slogging away and we've got our to-do list that goes over three pages, that you feel that if you get up and have a break, you're not actually achieving anything. But it's actually the opposite, isn't it? You, you walk away and that's when your subconscious kicks in. That's when your ideas really start to take off, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, the, the rest uh, is, is super important. Uh, you know, that's what they're saying about our smartphones. Uh, I certainly use my smartphone a lot, but often for reading or um, my scheduling, I don't use it as a phone. I don't do phone calls. Um, uh, but it, the in terms of sort of 
scheduling rest, scheduling sleep, scheduling breaks, that is a really good thing to do. And then to be looking at different stuff, which is why exercises, uh, and I kind of prefer to say movement now. So movement and food, as opposed to exercise and diet, <laughs> uh, kind of framing them in a positive way. So if you go and do some movement, and again, uh, you know, we talk about how important exercise is but exercise pumps new blood to the brain gets things moving and you will have more ideas like one of the reasons i like walking doing these really long walks is that i just come up with ideas or my brain is completely fallow and i don't even think it's like a meditation and then when i come out like maybe the day after the walk i get the all the creative thoughts but yeah uh, the other thing to consider is that creativity is a synthesis between the things that you're taking in in the world so and you can't synthesize ideas into something new if you're not out there getting things from the world so if you're not reading and watching and visiting and traveling and you know doing anything you're not going to be able to create so you maybe your your creative well is uh, empty and that's when people sometimes feel they have writer's block. It's actually because they're empty. <laughs> uh, we're just, I'm just sitting here. You think about uh, that creative well. I had a lady on here yesterday. Her name's Natasha, oh, last week, Natasha Lester. And she talked about ideas, Joanna. And she talked about how you can't force your ideas. You have to give them time to, to come to life. And if you try and force them, they, they die. And I, I thought about that because you do... People who sit in their office every day churning out these stories, they don't actually, um, I guess, think deeply enough and bring out the best story sometimes. Sometimes they do, but sometimes had they given that, um, taken that little break, had that siesta, gone for that walk, done whatever and come back, uh, that their story may have been just that little bit easier easier to write do you do you have any when you're when you're working do you believe that and this is this is something that i promise not to touch on but it, it's something that's very very interesting to me is that if we step back and took a little bit more time with our stories that perhaps they those stories may benefit benefit from it sometimes well i mean we're all different so i do believe that i the idea muscle is a muscle so i remember being at, at the mining company and I thought I would never write a novel because I didn't have any ideas and now I have hundreds of ideas all the time and if I could write faster then I would um, and you know one of my um, mentors and uh, who I admire incredibly much is Dean Wesley Smith uh, who writes millions of words a year um, he's at the moment he's writing I think he's writing 30 short stories in 30 days and he's writing 67 novels this year or something like that like the guy is incredible and his work ethic is incredible but and he loves it and he has fun he's really having fun he's also written several hundred books so for him he doesn't have to learn how to write a story and I think and he doesn't seem to suffer any issues from doing it so we all have to respect the different forms of creativity that people have i take longer to write a book but still like my last novel map of shadows that first draft i thought about it for a year but then it, the first draft took me a month so and in, and during the time that i was thinking about it i wrote seven other books so this is the thing you 
things, everything's different. You know, this, there are no rules. What you have to do is find what's best for you. So that, you know, if I only wrote fiction under one uh, brand, so my friend Lindsay Baroka, for example, writes 100,000 words a month. She's a fantasy novel novelist. She writes 10 hours a day. She loves it. She walks her dogs. She makes a lot of money. <laughs> um, and she writes in her genre and she loves it. And that's what she does. Uh, and I write over three different pen names. Uh, I split my time in all directions. So I'm not achieving the same thing in that direction. But again, it comes down to this comparisonitis thing and deciding what you want for your life. Lindsay doesn't write nonfiction. She does have a podcast, the Science Fiction and Fantasy Marketing Podcast, if people are interested. Uh, Lindsay Baroka, she's fantastic. So this thing, I know people, I also have friends who write literary fiction who take four years to write one book. You have to decide what you want to do. So it's absolutely true what you're saying that writing a literary novel or a, a big, deeply researched work of nonfiction will take longer. It has to. Uh, that's absolutely true. But if you are, you know, writing genre fiction or short nonfiction, you can definitely uh, write a lot faster, and your ideas and your story doesn't have to be so developed. And I'll give an example that I just gave on my podcast. I don't know if you listened to it. Probably not today. You only just got up. <laughs> but um, I shared, uh, I've been writing a screenplay and I said to Jonathan, my husband, we need to start watching some of these Oscar winning uh, films so that I can work out what, what you have to do to be a Oscar winning screenwriter. <laughs> so we picked a film that has won so many awards uh it's called no country for old men have you seen that no 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 okay well it won it's what it won a ton of awards uh oscars baftas everything it's won about 80 awards so no country for old men it's based on the pulitzer prize winning uh, novelist cormac mccarthy's book of the same name so this has every literary you know credibility and i hated it i absolutely <laughs> <laughs> and then I said to Jonathan, that was just miserable. It didn't have a good ending. It didn't have any good roles for women in. I, I am like, what is with that film? It's ridiculous. I got the protagonist wrong. I did not understand this film. <laughs> and then I said, do you know what I really want to watch? It's Thor Ragnarok. Have you seen <laughs> Thor Ragnarok? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. But you know Thor. Yes, Have you I seen Marvel Thor? Okay. Yes. And I was like, I want to watch this. We watched Thor Ragnarok. I loved it. I absolutely love Thor. The other night we watched Lara Croft. Um, my favorite movie is Con Air. I am absolutely a genre fiction person. That's just me. So this is the thing. When it, and I mean, it was funny. It was, it, I just it had great roles for women. It was, you know, action adventure. So this is, I think the most important thing when it comes to your creative life is be honest about what you love write what you love and if you write what you love you love it will be enjoyable and you won't be oh like oh i think so many people think they have to write literary fiction so they get all angsty about it but actually you can write other things <laughs> so that would probably be another tip is really look at your bookshelf look at the films you've watched what do you like um what entertains you or what type of non-fiction do you read what do you like reading and then be honest and write something like that it doesn't have to 
win a Booker Prize or a Pulitzer Prize or an Oscar. It can be Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> and, it, and it's really funny, everybody. We, we, are, we are still on the topic of healthy writing and, and healthy living and uh, creating a life that you enjoy and that you love because it's very easy to get sidetracked and it's very easy to, as you said, look at what other people are doing and want to be like them and want to do what they're doing. I have a lot to do with everyone, as you know, um, a lot of romance writers here in Australia and they are a prolific lot. And I continue to interview women who are on to, you know, the third, fourth and fifth book and I'm still interviewing them and I'm going, there's something really wrong here. Um, and I say to them, I'm still interviewing you. What's going on? Why haven't I written my own? And it's because I do have this passion for literary fiction. So I'm actually the complete opposite to you. I want to write romance. I want to write these things. And I get bogged down in the research and I'm doing a thing on the history of Brisbane and the early, um, the early rivers and timber and rails. And I look at this big romantic setting that we have here and all these wonderful, wonderful things. And it takes me such a long time. And we were down at Binnaburra and I was looking at the timber history down at Bay Desert and all those places. And I was just beside myself with excitement, dragging the kids through old cemeteries and this. And they're going, Mummy, why are we doing this? And I said, because I'm having fun. <laughs> um, exactly. And that's so important, that fun. But also remember, like an iconic book like The Thornbirds by Colleen McCulloch. A fantastic book made into a fantastic miniseries um, and to me what you, it sounds like there's a big difference between a 50,000 word romance written in a month and an epic saga romantic saga based against the backdrop of you know the Australian uh, life and you get to choose which of those you're writing but don't confuse them don't think that you can write the fast romance if that's not your interest because you will fail you just that won't be satisfying to you and it won't be satisfying to the reader so it sounds like you need to write that sort of highly researched you know epic and maybe put some love in it and, and, and the thing those books might take longer to write but readers love them my husband he will not look at a book unless it's like a doorstop there are different readers for different markets. And this is, this is critical. If you start, if the first book you put out is a 50,000 word romance, readers are going to expect another 50,000 word romance. They are not going to expect a 200,000 word epic saga. So this is another really important thing. The more you train your readers, the more you have to deliver what they want. And that's why some of the romance writers burn out is because they train the reader to think another book is coming in 30 days or 60 days or 90 days. I've pretty much trained my thriller audience to expect one every you know, six months. So it's not that difficult, <laughs> but that's thriller, which is a different niche. But I think that's really important that you do what you love, which is obviously research and the, the bigger stories. Yeah. And when I looked at your JF Penn website, because obviously my passion is fiction and I've, I, and everybody, please tell me if you're the same. When we think about Joanna Penn, we focus mainly on the creative pen and all the non-fiction advice that you give us and, and how to write and uh, mindset and business for authors. Um, and I've got three books to give away, but we'll talk about that shortly. Uh, everyone, it's hard to remember that Joanna is actually very well known for her fiction and has, I think, is it, is it nine, 14 fiction books I counted? And that was just by counting the pictures um, on your website. <laughs> I think uh, I've got 17 thrillers now. Yes. Yeah. Uh, 
Okay. I was close, everyone, and I knew I was going to get it wrong. Um, but you've got your London series. You've got your Arcane series. You, you really dabble with that um, supernatural, don't you? Uh, it, it's interesting. Now you've, you've, um, you've got your screenplay. Screenplay. You love to learn. You love to continue to to push those boundaries. I think. Um, and this whole screenplay thing that you're going through at the moment, it's it's really challenging you uh, intellectually, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I've been dabbling in screenplays for years now, um, but uh, this is the first one I finished. Um, and this is, you know, firstly because if you can, if you understand how screenplays work, like a a movie like Thor Ragnarok, people think, oh, or actually a fifty thousand word romance that people love, people think, oh, that's easy, that's just simple to write a story like that. It was actually the construction of a satisfactory story where viewers or readers just go, yeah, that was awesome. Awesome. that's very very hard and so the screenplay format is so tight and has so many rules that it's very challenging and to create within a structure is freeing in one way and challenging in another so um yeah I'm, I mean it's will probably never make any money or maybe it will I don't know I haven't identified my goals yet for screenwriting it definitely is veering towards a big blockbuster movie as opposed to an Oscar winner. <laughs> but, you know, I, I don't, I'm not giving up writing in other ways. Uh, it's, it's just another string to the, the bow. But this is the thing. Once you have started your creative journey and once, you know, you're making enough money that you're secure, um, then you can start playing around with, with other ideas. So like you mentioned the kind of the, I do a lot of research for my books, but my books are normally around 60, 70,000 words. And, um, you know, one of my favorite authors is James Michener who, uh, dead now, but you know, wrote really massive sagas. I also loved like the Thornbirds was one of my, you know, early influences. Um, though, you know, these big, stories are something I'm interested in and I would probably like to write something like that at some point. <laughs> um, so it's interesting, we, but I, the screenplays for me right now are a creative challenge. They're a bit of fun because they're really fun to write and yeah, I'm just, I'm just enjoying it. They're not potentially, you know, they're not for any particular reason, I guess right now is what I'm saying. In the same way that people might write poetry, you don't write poetry with the expectation that it's going to pay your bills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and that takes us around in a circle, everyone. We, we started the conversation about how you work really, really hard through a certain point uh, to get to that income uh, level where you do have the freedom to really push those creative boundaries. And we talked about, I think you mentioned Mark Dawson earlier. You listened to some of his projects as well. You have to do the hard yards like with anything. There is no easy way. Uh, but once you've, once you've done some of that hard work, it does open up new opportunities as um, as a creative, I think. Um, but you're not going to do that if you don't start the journey, if you stay in your day job <laughs> and you stick with security. So it's all a balance, isn't it? And and I think that's what your healthy writer is all about, getting that balance. Don't, don't restrict yourself. I think you actually wrote something at the very beginning on how to escape your career and start a creative life, didn't you? Wasn't that your very... Well, that, that, my very first book, uh, it's, it's called Career Change. I was trying to change my own career and that's how I wrote it. What I would say is you did uh, mention there, I, I don't think that everybody needs to give up the day job. I think that's entirely based on a situation. Um, you know, 
writing can be your hobby. The definition of an amateur is someone who loves what they do and does not need to pay the bills with their creative work. And that is true for 99% of authors. So let's not kid ourselves that everyone should give up their jobs and write. They shouldn't. Uh, you should, what, you know, it, for a lot of people, it's less stressful to keep their job and write in the mornings, the evenings, the weekends, that's absolutely brilliant. You don't have to make a living from your writing. But if you want to, then you know there are things that you, you need to do to, to balance everything, um, as you say. But the other thing I would say, you, you, know, you, you mentioned the hard work, and I think you're someone who, who does a lot of the hard work. And one thing to always keep in mind is what is the lifestyle that you want? And for me, when I was in Brisbane, my the book I read was the four hour work week by timothy ferris um and crush it by gary vaynerchuk you know he's very very alpha male but at the time i was like oh my goodness there's a way out of this to a lifestyle that i want so and the lifestyle that i wanted was always like you mentioned research i love research so we go on a lot of research trips i love travel um i love writing and i love I love pretty much everything I do now. So that's really important. If I meet too many people who say they hate writing, it's like, well, why bother? Get a job where you actually enjoy your life because, uh, you know, heads up, we're all going to die. <laughs> so why would you spend your time doing something that you're not enjoying, that doesn't bring you alive, uh, that doesn't make you just, you know, want to carry on, you know? So yeah, really dig deep and think about what you want. Yeah. And that's probably my biggest tip. Yeah. And, and listening, listening to you, Joanna, it's really interesting. We're going to wind up now, everybody, because Joanna has been overly generous and beautiful with the time. Uh, but we, we talk about all these things. And the very last thing I want to touch on is we do get hijacked. Um, we're looking at the healthy, healthy living and the healthy lifestyle and creating that balance with your writing and your life and going for long walks in Italy and all those places that you go. Um, just have a look at JF Penn, everybody, and have a look at some of the research that Joanna does and some of the trips and some of the photographs. And you'll go, oh, yeah, I just well, I want to grow up just like you. Um, <laughs> but, but just to finish off, to make sure we've covered everything, you wrote a letter to Sugar. Um, and I know another friend of ours, Cassandra Gaysford, she's written on, and it's not a letter to alcohol, it's a whole book on alcohol. Uh, we do get, we are bombarded um, by things that aren't good for us. And you talked about yoga, and I think meditation is another one. You've got to shut out those things, and, and those negative things come, come from advertising and the consumerist world that we live in. You've got to actually turn away from that stuff, because that's some of the stuff that drags us down, isn't it? Uh, well, I, th I think in moderation, I did give up sugar for six months or whatever it was, and now I have it in moderation. But interestingly, my taste buds changed. Uh, so I get I get good high from a sweet potato these days. <laughs> it's so funny. But it is just you're, you and I talking on Easter weekend, and I do, you know, I did have an Easter egg. <laughs> So I think, um, again, it's like, it's like the work. It's like all of this stuff. You have to balance your life. And I think for me, the sugar became a, uh, you know, again, a way to get through. It's like, well, you've been a good girl. You've worked really hard. Here's a bag of sugar and the pleasure that you get from that. So it's shifting. It's shifting what gives you pleasure. Um, 
and I, that's why I like to say movement and food because those words have less of a, you know, exercise sounds like a punishment. <laughs> so thinking about movement instead and food instead of diet, you know, um, which has the word die in it. <laughs> um, you know, so these are the things, I, I, you know, just circling back there, I think we, the message is a positive, happy one. Like the healthy writer, the very first chapter is seven reasons why writing is great for your health because it is and it's like the best thing so you need to make sure you look after yourself yes but the point is that this is fantastic this this is just the best life so what are you doing go and write <laughs> yeah and have have one glass of wine at the end of the day just not a bottle or maybe two <laughs> <laughs> share share the bottle yeah um so look everyone um it's been great i it was deliberate to have this conversation around the lifestyle of of being a writer, it was something that I went through, and I know uh, Joanna wrote the book about it. You have to get you have to get that balance, and you have to think about why you're doing it. Um, I was so determined to give up teaching, but actually, by doing a bit of teaching, takes that pressure off the full time writing lifestyle. But I was blind to that, so I was determined to do it all. Don't do it all, everyone. <laughs> and take <laughs> some time out, go for walks. Uh, again, um, we're finishing off, Joanna. Tell us about Italy. Oh, <laughs> Italy's here. Come, come and see it. I mean, yeah, it was it was great. I mean, I've been, I go to Italy quite a lot. So uh, it, it, we just went walking. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what you want to say about Italy. <laughs> I mean, if people are interested, my photos are on Instagram.com forward slash JF Pen author. Uh, but if you if you want to hear my podcast, the the Creative Pen podcast is available. So come on over if you want to hear more about writing and publishing and making a living with your writing. So, and if you have any questions, like if people have any questions, you can always find me on Twitter at the creative pen. That's the best place. Yeah. And I think I threw out the, I was trying to get not, I was trying to not have to pronounce it. It was the Alfani coast or the Alfani. Amalfi coast. <laughs> That's the, I was trying to get out having pronounced it everybody because I couldn't pronounce it. Um, because <laughs> we only have Maori in New Zealand and Aussie words over here. Uh, the pictures are there. Look, if you delve into Joanna's uh, fiction work and you have a look at these websites, you will see some amazing stuff. The depth of the research, uh, her interest in cartography and maps uh, blows you away as well. I started off doing the research for this on healthy writing and I delved into the um, into the fiction work of Joanna and discovered I know absolutely nothing about any of the things that you write about, Joanna. Your mind is amazing. Your 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 eye for detail is fantastic. Um, if you if you do write fiction, everyone, and you're looking at writing anything other than romance, um, just pop onto a website and have a look because you will learn so very, very much. And you'll pick up a few tips on, on how to write along the way if you pop into the creative pen. I've got three books here to give away, how to make a living with your writing, business for authors, and the successful author mindset. They're all autographed by Joanna and I had the pleasure of meeting Joanna at Oh, a wow, conference. you kept those for a while. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I kept like them. over a year old. <laughs> <laughs> I kept them, everybody, for this very podcast to give them away. Um, it just took us a while to get around to, to doing the podcast. <laughs> Fantastic. But and I've looked after them. I've only read them a few times. They've got yellow sticky notes in them from the notes that I've been making, but I'll rip them out for you. <laughs> and... Uh, 
Thank you, Joanna, for being on the podcast. I'll put the references in the notes, everybody, so that you can find Joanna easily, although everybody knows how to find you, I'm sure. Anyone who is interested in indie publishing at all would have found their way to you. Thank you for being such a generous guest and thank you for sharing like some of the more personal stuff about what you need to do to be a healthy writer. Oh, thanks for having me, Melinda. That was great. Okay, and that's it from Rider on the Road for another week. Bye for now. Bye.